let's get into some juicy stuff. Let's give the audience stuff they don't know about us. Win or lose, we will go down swinging. I choose not to be doing this if you're going to choose to be miserable. Jake, we miss you. XOXO. I'm Jake the Rover. My life goal is simple. WWE star called Mr. America. My name is Leslie Carls. My nickname is The Panda, and I run this ship. Nick, just Nick. Can I get a midday squares? Midday squares, uncensored, impromptu. Les and I have been into the night shift. <laughs> so we've been doing the day shift and the night shift. We're going through some crazy times of trying to become world class at midday squares. And so we were sitting here and we're like, you know what? Why don't we do an impromptu show? Because content's content. And why not have fun while we're here until 11 o'clock at night? It is currently 6.47 p.m. <laughs> August 8th, 2022, and we're going to be going to 11. Not the show going to 11, but we're going to be working tonight. So let's let's have a little bit of fun. For sure. What's up, everyone? I'm so fired up to be here. As you guys know, working the night shifts, uh, stepping in right now till we find a full-time production supervisor, basically just kind of monitoring the flow of the nighttime. And Nick is like just hanging by my side to be here for moral support. So he, he just hangs around the office and like does really funky stuff. I'm like the <laughs> I'm like the crony at the office late at night. I'm like finding my own way around the office. By the way, shout out Jake Carls, who's not here. I always get rattled when I look at your chair and it's empty. Uh, it's not the same. I have to I have to admit it's not the same without seeing Jacques here yeah. and having his energy. Yeah, no, and, and we're we're not just blowing smoke up his ass. Jake, we miss you xoxo those are the facts but no back to your croniness in the office like the other night i caught nick he was working out and doing some wild dance moves and he and i like appeared and he's like oh whoa and you're like he's like i didn't even know you were there i'm like yeah, yeah i'm like just checking it out you know sometimes you need a dance that's the bottom line sometimes you need a dance and i was really feeling it. i'm probably going to do it again after this because i love listening to music and just pumping there's nothing better no there is nothing better. But I'm feeling good and I'm feeling fired up to be here. And like, I'm feeling really motivated right now at, at work and in my personal life. What happened here? You, I feel like you, you yourself has learned so much since our last podcast. Honestly. So yeah. distill to us, like, what the hell has happened? I just think that, you know, Midday Squares is a shit show. We're figuring stuff every single day. We're figuring things as they unfold. Um, and I think the big lesson for me is how do we get this company to be proactive instead of reactive? Is it a shit show or is it just a $10 million business that got to where it is and needs to change up what it's doing because you can't run the same systems that got you to 10 million that will get you to ultimately 20 and 100? No, I agree with that. I think every business, not just startups, are shit shows. And I think, you know, as much as these times are really treacherous, and, and it's so funny because every year at the same time, around the end of the summer or the beginning of the summer, we start going into this mode, and then we start like undiscovering things, you know, or it's discovering. I'm discovering. Saying, I'm saying undiscovering. I wish I undiscovered. Yeah. No, um, discovering things and. I'm always so rattled once we discover them, but then I'm always so fired up because when you discover problems... What was the discovery in May? I think the biggest discovery, I wouldn't say May, it's been June for me, was that the gross margin plummeted. And why did the gross margin plummet? Well, labor costs were astronomical and waste was astronomical. But I think that's the beauty of this. And that's what I would love to uh, distill to you, the listener, is that it uncovered more than what met the eye. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When you looked at it at surface, yes, we were off on gross margin. It had plummeted. Yes, we had waste problems. Yes, we had all these things. But for me, in retrospect, looking back at it, it uncovered that if you take like the Toyota systems of management and you ask why five times, it comes down to we were trying to do something that the infrastructure didn't have the fundamentals to do. Yeah, agreed, which and is the financials. Financials, which leads to systems, which leads to everything, that's which leads to process. And we discovered, hey, we're just not world class. And I love that. And I think like exactly like we, we wouldn't be world class in the first four years of starting a business. But I think what fires me up and why I'm motivated is because I so badly want to be part of a world class organization. Like for me, you know me, like I have this thing with shame. I have this thing where I'm like, doubt. yeah, doubt and, and all these things that I'm so hard on ourselves. And like, I want to be a company that represents positive EBITDA and strong gross margin. Like those are the things that actually mean something to me. And so I think what is so motivating to me right now during this time, even though it's treacherous and we're doing 18 hour days, is that we have the ability to run a world-class organization. And as I'm like on this path of entrepreneurship and midday squares, I meet a lot of people. Like think about just from uh, interviewing people, potential candidates to work at midday squares, I deep dive into what they're doing, how they're doing it, and how it's operating at the companies that they're coming from. And I'm really noticing that most companies are not world-class. Your mom's calling you. Yeah, my mom's calling you. Do we want to put her on air? Mom, you're on the podcast. I'm on, what do you mean I'm on the podcast? Literally, we, <laughs> are recording, we are recording a podcast and you are on it because you called. I forgot to put my ringer off. And so the ringer interrupted the podcast, which is fine because we're graded with your delight. And here you are on the podcast in the microphone. I don't mind. I don't mind. <laughs> what do you have to say to everybody listening? What, what do I have to say is that... Uh, well, you guys are doing an amazing job, and you've got one of the best bars in the whole planet. Very healthy, but also tasty and delicious. And uh, and uh, you, my son, and uh, Nick, and Leslie, my, my daughter-in-law, which I'm very, very proud of. All the work you guys the, Let me tell you, is this not why we have mothers in our corner? That fired me up. If you're listening, is this not the best thing in the entire world that we just had Alba call my mother live on the air? The unconditional love and the promo of the product. Yeah, that she, like, that she fires just, me up. She, she just, just went on a product. promo. She, it was like my mom had no idea what was going on. I just said, Ma, say something. And then next thing you know, she's on an infomercial. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I say this to all my friends. I say it to everybody. I'm very, very proud of you. <laughs> all right Matt, we're gonna get back to recording i love you thank you so much for firing up the crowd i'll call you when we're done bye bye well that was amazing yeah there's nothing like the mother love you know they just boost your ego was that not a their confidence not I know, i'm gonna say it again because i know people think this is probably planned but that wasn't planned no can we get back to what we were saying though yes. which was really key um we were talking about becoming world-class and well i think uncovering that we weren't world-class was one massive massive like when you truthfully accept the 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 release of your ego yes and you can identify what you and i really had a moment of true not that our egos ever felt that we were world-class but where we really accepted that we weren't world-class. Well, that's the thing. And I think it goes to the, the point that I was telling the team earlier today, which was, you know, when we did our reviews about ourselves, each teammate, HR basically made 
all of our teammates um, go through their objectives and their personal goals and, and how they feel they're thriving based on Midday Squares' expectations and culture mindset. And there was an option to write mastered the skill. A lot of people wrote that they mastered the skill and there was like five, six things. Um, and, and I was surprised to see that people were choosing mastered the skill. Because to be a master, I mean, can take most of your life, right? It's not something that's like easily done and it definitely can happen really quick. I mean, there's an anomaly, but overall, like to be, be a master of something can take a very long time. I think I understand why they wrote it though, because we never made our expectations clear of what mastered mean to us. I agree and I agree, but I think when I, when I, we go back to why we, you know, the world-class statement is like, because your first instinct is to kind of think, oh, you're doing, you're doing great or you're doing the best that you can. Yeah. You like know? people like getting a pat on the back and that's what I, 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 I don't mind a pat on the back. I really don't, but it's like, I'm over it now. That's what I was telling Vanessa is like, I, I get we are doing a good job. I really fucking do. doesn't mean I want to be greater. No, I, like I, I don't want like I'm good. We celebrated. Yes, but we're not world class. Exactly. So and there's like, still we, so much we, to do. There's still so much to do. Yeah. So, yes, we celebrated. But let's get back to fucking wanting to be world class. Yeah. And I think that's what's really again, I'm going to say it a million times. That's what's exciting me right now. I want to keep that momentum on building a really epic company. It's not just Midday Squares for me, at least, is not just a beautiful community and a brand that's going to be around forever but it's also setting an example on how companies should operate. That fires me up to be a leader within a company that's striving to be world-class. And the only way we can change what it means to be leadership, because I know, again, like at every level of the business, you have different naysayers, right? Of course. I think the jury's not out yet on whether we as a founding trio could take this company to heights of billion dollars of annual revenue. Right. I think where we are today to external people judging the growth of that, we don't fit the leadership that would be able to get it there. And I can feel that, by the way. I feel that sometimes when I speak to certain people, oh, you know, like that they'll reference like we're in the startup stages. I believe we're going to be able to make it make it and we're going to be able to build this company in the way we see it and not just be the founders or the, the founders that were there for the startup and then got removed to build, you know, either, you know, Voila. The, I hear the walkie talkie, but I don't think it's for me. We're good. <laughs> that is the walkie talkie. We are on the night shift, as we call. So I agree. Very few founders transcend all the levels of a business. You know, you go from startup to family stage to tribal stage to nation state. If we're following the startup mentality, yeah. nation state is like when you're at Coca-Cola's level. Right. You know, m most people write off founders being able to go the entire way. Well, you see it, right? We just watched the the, the Uber uh, show. Pretty much all of them. And most of them, right, be, at one point they do bring the company to that 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 public offering stage or or massive you know private company but they at one point they do get removed by the board you know because they're either what do we call it a charlatan yeah they, you know? they, 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 they were either right for the right part and now wrong uh, because they never wanted to change their views of what it meant to lead. That being said, I've never been in their position and I have no fucking clue what they went through. Of so course. I myself don't want to have any comment or statement on those people. Like the media is so quick to point fingers. So quick. 
And so, so many people are though, right? People are going to make a, you know, uh, uh, create opinions about you and stories, and, and it just it's doesn't not fucking fair. matter, to be honest. It, it doesn't matter, and it's not fair because there's there's so much that goes into it. Exactly. Um. So yeah. So I, I understand. Like there's 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 naysaying, and so for me, the competition of the idea that we can not only be the founders that brought epicness to the game, but also created a world-class organization. The convergence of those two is like, that fires me up. Yeah, exactly. That That is, it's something to be fired up about. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a tall order, but it's exciting. And I think that's, that's where I'm really at. And I think like, it's so crazy, the jump of emotions that happen on this journey. Like just three weeks ago, we were having a conversation about being miserable on the balcony, you know? And today we're having a conversation about excitement about the challenges ahead. But speaking... Because I know, you know, the listeners probably been through this, that misery. If you're a founder, you've experienced the highs and the deep lows of, like, being miserable. Yeah. Like, that's the fucked up part about entrepreneurship. There's these moments and waves where you're choosing to do something every day and then feeling miserable about it. But you're the one choosing to do it. And you end up in this vicious loop of where you want to be miserable and then you become miserable. And I'm so grateful for you because you had an intervention with me. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to, you know, distill the audience the intervention. How did that go down? Well, first off, like I again, I want to shout out our our growth in communication to our business coach, business therapist, Jim Gavin, Doctor Jim, Doctor, excuse me, Doctor Jim Gavin. Back to the start of the summer till now, it's just been uh, turbulence at Midday Square. I've been shaking, oh literally <laughs> holding on for dear life. And um, at one point when we had to take over the night shift, I think we were like, okay, how are we going to get through this? You know, and there's a difference between being miserable and being like, okay, this is hard, but I'm not miserable from it. Correct. You know, and and I was big difference, huge difference, massive. And Nick and I were hanging out on the balcony together. And for anybody who's just tuning into this podcast now, Nick's my husband. We're married, um, and so uh, when we get home from work, and people ask us this question all the time, can you separate work and personal life? The answer is no for us. We cannot. No. So, I and I don't even think you should attempt to do it if you're married. My philosophy on this is you must integrate the entire life. Yeah. That's what's worked best for us. That's what's worked best for us. And if I was a betting person, that's what I would bet on uh, success. So, yeah, that's a little two cents on the relationship. So we worked all day and then we rolled into our night and we were basically sitting on the balcony and just chatting, uh, you know, and and – for me, I was feeling like Nick was really miserable. Because I was. Yeah, you were. I was but, like, and I, and I just really said to him bluntly, I was like, I'd rather us not do this if you are going to be miserable the entire time because I can weather the storm of work being hard and I can weather the storm of good days and bad days and the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, but I can't weather the storm of all that plus someone being miserable while doing it. And I really saw that like you were really listening and you really understood you had that moment of being like, fuck, this is a me thing. And I do become miserable. And I you, was you, miserable. you said you even had it in your past. Yes. Yeah. There's these moments during the startup grind or getting something to come to fruition or building a business that are just so painful. And the whole thing is not supposed to be easy. No. And you forget that. Exactly. You forget that you are trying, you are attempting to pull off something so few of the world could pull off, not because of skill set, because of mental endurance. Yeah. That it's going to be hard. 
And so when it gets really hard, because there's these periods of really extreme difficultness, if you fight what you've chosen to do as, as your career path and the acknowledgement that it's supposed to be hard. Yeah, exactly. Once you acknowledge that it's supposed to be miserably painful, yeah. that you can't fight it, you must figure out a way to not be miserable about yes. it. And that's how you will win the process. You stop being miserable. Yeah. But until that moment, you're miserable because you're holding on to misery. Misery feels really good to hold on to. It does. And uh, but like it's exactly it's it's toxic, right? We, we think it's good to hold on to, but it's actually once you release it, you feel like a whole new person. A whole new person. You're like, what? Misery was a choice? Yeah, it was a choice. And you feel dumb. No, I mean, look, it, it, you got to have you got to have someone willing to have that conversation with you. It's hard to come to that like moment on your own, right? Because you don't know if your shit stinks, you might not know no, that it stinks. But I kind of did. It was just yeah. like <laughs> you threw it in my face like you're like you're choosing to be miserable and I'm just like And oh I my would God. and I choose not to be doing this if you are going to choose to be miserable. Exactly. And I'm just like it's okay. And I remember I'm like, "Okay, you're going to give me a report card at the end of the week." And in that moment, I was just like, you must choose not to be miserable. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, hey, I'm not being miserable about this anymore. Oh, and I remember how it came because I was actually working with some colleagues that week and we were having a good flow. You were out of town. And then when you and I started working together, oh, yes. the flow was stinky. It was all over the week. Yeah, I mean, okay, it's all coming back to me. So basically, I was away. I come back and she had just like, you know, we had made huge changes in personnel. We had parted with our vice president of operations and we were, she was so in it and she was like fired up and she was having good flow like she was in the plant every day with our cfo vanessa and they were having wins and it was like beautiful yeah. to listen to and then i come home and i joined the party and it all went to shit in 48 <laughs> hours it was like it was stinky it was her and i were you know you and i were not getting there was no flow there was no flow yeah. we were fucking barking at each other it yeah. was we were kicking the dog we were kicking the dog which yeah. is when we just shit on each other and that's when we had to time out here no you just i you had to time it, it out i said exactly I'm, I'm not going for it and anyways all to say nick's report card came in uh he scored 100 percent. he Let's really turned it around go. um which fired me up and it's been it's been a lot it's been a really good flow since then i have to admit oh like it's been a pleasure to work with you well that's f same same yeah. same and it's and it's been trust me it hasn't been easier for any of us here at midday squares but the mindset is powerful to the point where i think we're gonna even call this uh podcast that misery is a choice okay but can we get why misery is a choice so yeah so i'm feeling great yeah. i'm back the flow's back we've chosen not to be miserable Facts. we've chosen to be world class yes we've chosen to be fucking winners i'm fired up and right we've now chosen to die on the fucking hill win or lose we will go down swinging a hundred percent that's the choice we've made okay so now let's get into some juicy stuff Let's, I don't know. Like, let's give the audience stuff they don't know about us. Like, let's, it's a Nick and Les session right now. Like, what are, what are some of the things like, okay, I know a lot of people always wondering about I feel our, like I feel like our relationship's really not that interesting. Well, our relationship, I mean, maybe it's not that interesting at this time, but I mean, what about some of the things if people are listening, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are trying to build businesses with their spouses, uh, their partners or whatever. And what are things that we can really, what are some strong takeaways that we can give the audience? Like, you know, uh, a friend of ours recently reached out and wants to start a business with his partner. And I think that there's just, 
you and I are really on, like, we're really open about things. And I, I'd love to share some strong takeaways. On no, that. I appreciate you. I think what I feel is like my views on the world and your views on the world are, are just not that interesting. They're actually very simple things. And so I, I want to be juicier about that aspect. But I think, you know, my truth is I have one piece of advice for people that are going to work with each other and get that are married, which is something that nobody wants to follow. And that's why I get discouraged because it's so simple. It's you have to see a therapist weekly, good, bad, and you need to do it forever. No. And, and that's that's powerful advice. Like, but why why do you think that people don't want to go see a therapist? Right. There's so many well, I think layers to that. I think most people don't want to admit that their relationships have tons of faults in them. Like our relationship has tons of faults in it. It's really not rosy all the time. But if you let the crater build, it builds. Do I want to be prescriptive here? I don't know. I don't know if I want to be prescriptive in that aspect. Well, all I know is that like most people don't see therapists and I'll never understand why. I feel like there's a lot to that. I feel like I'll go. Why are you asking yeah. me if you have an no, opinion? No, I'm, I'm curious to know what you're thinking. But I think for I think for some advice that I would give people that are embarking on the journey together. I know we talk about it a lot, but like, don't just embark on the journey with your partner because it's easy, or that's the first person that you trust or want to get going with. Like, really make sure that the right partner because it is so complicated when you embark on the journey. And like, if you're not going to do the therapy and if you're not going to invest in communication. Um, it, it could be rough, you know, and, and I think the, the thing that I've learned the most is how to have really, really hard conversations with each other has been this, the key to our success, I think, with our marriage and our working relationship, you know? Yeah, I think like 100%, you have to be willing to have extremely hard conversations. So there's been moments where I felt like Les has hated me and we yeah. have to really go through that. This ain't no sex podcast, but our relationship in terms of intimacy and sex is at nil. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not, we've spoken through that. Yeah, and I think that's, but that comes down to the hard conversations, right? These this is, awkward, uncomfortable conversations that a lot of couples don't want to have. And I know because- And like really go deep in them. Really go deep. And I know this because a lot of the, the friends of mine and people that I know, like these are the conversations that are struggling within their their relationships, you know, and their, their marriages. And I think we have been able to have these these conversations. And honestly, it has gotten easier for me over the years with working with you to be able to have like really straight up conversations. Because we're airing out the garbage yeah. all the time. And it requires tremendous amount of hard conversations. Yeah. And some people will say, well, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. It sucks to always have hard conversations. It does. I mean, you've felt that way before. Yes. Yeah. To the point where I've literally had an open conversation with you. We're like, I don't know if I wanted, I don't know if I want a great relationship that bad. Yeah. Where I have to constantly be having these really tough conversations. And then I remember one night you whispered to me that you were actually happy that we that I, I, I remember specifically in Toronto, we were having a conversation and I was coming at you with a hard conversation about something that I wanted to be changed, you know, in our community, in our, in our, I, I forget exactly what the, what it was, but, and I remember we had a bit of an argument about it, you know, because you felt like, fuck, like, I don't want to have to change all these things about myself. It's hard work that I have to put in. And and then a couple months later, we had a really open conversation. You're like, I thank you for pushing me, you know. So it's like, yeah, I think 
anything great in life is really hard to this achieve. This is the misconception. It, when it, exactly. Greatness is a journey, not a destination. It, it's a continuous exactly. improvement thing that constantly makes you feel uncomfortable and tired. Yes. And you're like, why am I doing this exactly? And really what you're longing for at some point mentally, you think in the short term, is the, ah. Uh, but there is upside. What, no, there is. There's huge, major upside when you actually follow through on these things. And, and that's the thing is like, what just happened to me right now in this podcast, we're just get, talking with you, roundtable talk. Um, I realized that these are uh, f- foundation lessons. Well, this uh, is why I, I brought it up. Okay, but podcast. wait, wait, let me, let me bring this through. These lessons have nothing to do with just relationships um, or mainly relationships or businesses. They're lessons of life. Being okay with continuous improvement is what's going to propel you. There you go. And it's tiring. It is exhausting. You and I, I feel like, wow, we're getting to a place where we can really take on some some heavy loads. Yes. Like we can endure immense amount of pressure together. Yeah. Well, when we first started, we, we weren't you able can. to. And so like the, the full circle of this is when people ask us what's the takeaways to working in a relationship, it's not a prescription of what worked for us. It's just get the idea that it's not going to be wicked hard. Out and of your head. Out of your head. It's going to require determination like you've never felt in your life. It's going to require showing up weekly. It's going to require an immense amount of hard conversations. Patience. Patience. And then years go by. We're on our like fourth year of intensity on it. And you start to see a little bit of a win, but that little bit is like a monumental win. And you start to have more capacity to do really wildly epic things. And I know I feel it every day. I just feel it in my work ethic. I feel it in my marriage. I feel it in my leadership skills. Like I'm not the person I was four years ago, but like I have scars all over my body from the last four years. Um, but I wouldn't change one of them for a damn thing. Like I, I don't regret anything on this journey. Like the storm we've had to weather, all of us, you, me, and Jake, um, has been so intense and, and it, it has propelled me to the person I am today. And the upside is huge, but I agree with you. It's about showing up, putting in the work, being really patient and being okay with like, unraveling the onion layers to yourself. Yes. Like 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 even just personally like this shit I'm working on personally alone in therapy. I mean, it's it's intense stuff. Same, same, yeah. same. Like these are I guess that's all we want to share with you guys is like even till this day it's not breezy for us. It's it's a continuous amount of insane work. Yeah. That goes into it and get ready to just put the work in. And if you put the work in, you can open a business with your best friend your sister, your brother, it doesn't matter who. Well, we're living example. We're doing it with the three of us. But the point I'm trying to make is is that that's the wrong question. I think people okay. always ask is, should I do a business with my friend or my... It doesn't matter. All that matters is that whether you do a business with a stranger, not a stranger, you're still going to have the same problems if you don't put in the work. Yeah. It requires immense amount of work and that goes that's also to the relationship with our teammates and our our leadership team. It's like Again, there's this level of endurance that's required in these relationships because 
giving feedback and changing plans and how much a startup changes and and you know trying to reach like really aggressive goals we all need to be so open-minded to that and the feedback that comes with it it's a continuous improvement loop that's my biggest distillation from today is everything if there's like one thing you can remember getting off this podcast is that as long as Atomic Habits, the book said it perfectly. It's like, as long as you are striving to be a little bit more excellent every single day, you will you will get to the destination you need to go to as great and as big as you want. But that process is hard. That's it. 100%. It is fucking hard. And you and I do have one rule that we can leave with everyone, which, which is, is a relationship's definition for you and I is if – we both are going to get into this relationship, whether it's a business relationship, personal relationship. We both have baggage. Yes. We both bring shit. We both have our kinks. We both have all this stuff. So if we're going to get into a relationship, we're both going to have baggage now of two. And so we want to see the output of three. Yep. Because if I'm going to link up with you or you're going to link up with me and we're outputting only two, then we've taken on the baggage, but now we're two people going through the baggage and only getting the output of one plus one, which is two. It's not good enough for me. No, same. It's gotta be one plus one equals three. And then sometimes you get into a relationship or a partnership where one plus one equals 1.5. So you and I are like, it's constantly checking each other. Is this thing still like three? Yeah. Is it two? And if it's two, it's a problem. We gotta get to three. Yeah. And, and, And that's not just business. It's like emotionally, love. Yeah feeling determination put like it's it's a lot it's complex a relationship is so complex there's so many pillars there's no right or wrong way everybody's way is to their own um i think and that's the biggest problem with the world i think that my personal opinion is that you know there's this story of how a relationship or partnership needs to be and people are so fixated on that. And people stop reasoning up from first principles on how their relationship should work based on the people that they're getting together with. And I think at the end of the day, what fires me so much about you is like, you keep me on my toes. Same. You know, it's an evolution. We're it's both an like, evolution. What is the definition of a relationship even? I don't even know. Yeah, so we'll check that out in a little bit. We'll explore what that even means. Yeah. Like there's, who, who nobody. I told and you're my partner. You know, you're somebody I chose to do life life with with, and whatever that means, that means that it needs to be better with you than it is without you. Correct. And so you every day, you elevate me to be better. We're competitive with each other. And I like that. And we're in an equal relationship. And so every day when I wake up, like I want to do fucking great because I know that you're going to be doing great. That is so important for me. Because then every day I, I want to level up and be that best version of myself, even if it's fucking hard. Les, Jake, and I have been talking and we've been playing with a lot of ideas because we've all had this inner urge to want to elevate. And we've been asked by our organization a lot, what does world class mean? Because we keep on using the word world class. And that pushed us to have to think long and hard of what a world class organization looks like. And we distilled it down to this basically one long sentence that just really feels to sum it up, which is a world-class organization is capable of creating an infrastructure that leaves not much to guess when it comes to predicting how the future will unfold from a day-to-day basis, 
all the way up to a year-to-year basis while continuing to inspire the world to be bold. Mm. That is the piece I felt was missing because when I heard Jake at the end of today's conversation, it reminded me that it's not just about being world-class in your operations, but if that organization cannot inspire a generation to be bold, then it really hasn't accomplished what it needed to accomplish. And that's what we're striving to do. It doesn't mean that we're there yet. No. But that is our opinion that's of the world path. class. That's the path that's we want to get to. And that's our opinion. That's how we're going to lead the ship there. Um, and, and every day that the organization's not there. We hurt, you know. That being said, we're going to get there. And I think the, the idea is as long as we are achieving small um, little goals every day on our way to world class, we're going to be fine. And that our North Star is world class. Exactly. And nothing less. Yeah, no, that fires me up. But I, I do agree with Jake on that is that there's a big component to the human energy, momentum, boldness that, that, that brings it all together. What are your final parting words for the audience? Go out there and strive to be the best version of yourself and be okay with not being that today. Be patient to master those skills, to master the art of communication. Be patient with it all because in the end it is worth it and it, it, it will drive a new inspired generation. Let's fuck. No, I have nothing to add. I have, you have nothing, nothing to, to add to that? that? No. Three, two, two one. one. Ole, 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 ole. Ole, ole. Ole, 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 ole. Ole, ole. Midday Squares Uncensored Impromptu Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today and go out and kill it.